At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It is both a Silver Linings edition and a game day edition, and you know what that means. We've got a doubleheader. We always go seemingly always go, with the two Sams edition of the HHC. Sam Purley from Hornets.com is back with us. And, Sam, we got a lot to talk about. We got a game last night. We got a game tonight. And we got a very banged-up Hornets team. I think we should start with, I think, some positives Mm -hmm. from last night's game. I understand it's a loss to the Lakers. I understand there's some frustration in that the Hornets took on a Lakers team that did not have Anthony Davis and did not have LeBron James and couldn't come up with a W. But for a squad missing 60% of the offense, I thought they came out with a very good game plan. They executed it very well from the standpoint of creating the kind of shots they wanted to and defensively adhering to their principles. It's a make-miss league, and they had a miss of a day from the field. That's my short take on it. What was your take on last night's loss to the Lakers? Obviously, I think the team played well, given the absences and the injuries and everything like that. I think it stings just a little bit more because you look at it on paper, and it's like, you know, if we're even in this one, it's going to be a miracle. And then you get to the end, and you got a chance to win it, and you just a couple plays go the other way and end up kind of losing. And I think that's what makes this one a little – that made that one a little bit more frustrating. But overall, I mean – I think that's as good as a performance as you could have gotten from that group last night. Really, really impressive performance. Caleb Martin in particular, Bismarck, Jalen continues to play well. So the Hornets have had some luck recently hitting teams with missing guys, and they've taken advantage of it. And now they're the kind of the ones that got the injuries, and some teams have capitalized on that. So um, just got to move on and just, you know, like JB has said, take it one game at a time and move on to that next game. It's a 101-93 to loss to the Lakers. As mentioned, Caleb Martin had a season-high 17 points as well as a career-best 10 rebounds. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say silver lining. Absolutely. I thought he brought really, really good energy, particularly in that first quarter. That was an area the Hornets struggled with against Atlanta. I think they got out to a 24-7 deficit this time. I think they were out in front. I mean, they closed the first quarter down just three, and he was a big part of that. Really, really good energy. Started to hit some shots. His three-pointers haven't been falling recently. To see him finish with three of seven, I thought was really good. Caleb Martin's a guy who has clearly been bumped up in his role for this stretch with the team so shorthanded. And I thought he did a solid job. I mean, look, he shot 50% from the field, 42% from three. You're going to take that any day of the week and to contribute a double-double. That was big. He also had a couple of big momentum plays. Now to Martin. Martin drives, goes up, and throws it down on top of Ben McLemore. Caleb Martin with a dunk. He was really big out there, and he's someone who I think in his performances, he's showing why he'll have more responsibility when the team is healthy. Because defensively, it was one of the best games of the season, I thought. You held a Lakers team that, again, they're down two of their biggest stars, two of the biggest stars in the NBA, but you held them to 101 points. Defense kept them in the game. Yeah, defense has been really good for this team the last few weeks. I think ever since LaMelo's injury, you've kind of had to change the style of play and slowed things down a little bit, and the defense has really kind of kept them in a lot of these games. It's the offense that's kind of the problem. It's you know not being able to hit shots, and it's kind of – even more impressive that the defense is playing this well. When your offense isn't playing well, your defense kind of suffers a little bit because you can't, you know, transition stuff and things like that. But, you know, the defense keeping them in it. But again, it's just, when you finish with 93 points, it's going to be hard to kind of pull out wins in the NBA, unfortunately. Most definitely. My three keys going into last night's game were one three point shooting. I thought they needed to make five more threes than the Lakers did. Lakers ended up making seven more than the Hornets did. I thought that they needed to win the possession battle. They needed to attempt more shots than the Lakers. That ended up happening, but on a, a closer look at the box score, it really ended up happening because the Hornets were in a fouling situation going down the stretch. So that created a little bit of an edge to the Hornets. But overall, that wasn't bad. The one that was bad was bench scoring. I thought the Hornets needed to stay even with the Lakers bench. And not only were they outscored to the tune of 39-18, to 18, but the plus-minus was way out of whack. I don't know who exactly on the bench. Maybe Cody Zeller's probably been the most consistent scorer. But I don't know who you really look to to be a spark but they needed to hold it closer to even, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, Caleb Martin's kind of been that spark recently, and I'm kind of losing track of who's been not here. Malik was that for a while, and I think I don't think they've really been able to replace Malik. And then you could kind of stack, when you had Terry too, you can kind of stagger Terry or Devontae into that bench unit. Obviously didn't have that luxury today. I think Devontae had an off-shooting night too. Like you said, I think the bench thing was a big thing. Brad Wanamaker had kind of an off game. First one he's had in a while since he's been here. Cody Martin as well. And even had to get Nate Darling some minutes in there. I thought he, all things considered, is a two-way guy that I think this was his first meaningful NBA minutes in a game that hadn't been decided so I thought he gave the Hornets good minutes for the first half of the fourth quarter that he was in. I like the inventiveness from JB the willingness to try things recognizing hey we can't hit threes to save our life right now let's bring in the rookie we know has that ability and see what happens and hey he, he drew a foul and took three free throws and he sunk them all so career high for Nate Darling for made free throws in a game. My silver lining for this one, I'm going to go back to the starting lineup, and I'm going to go to Bismarck Biombo. Bridges to Devontae Graham, his defender slipped into the lane, feeds Bismarck Biombo, goes up and throws it down violently with the two-handed jam. Bismarck Biombo muscling it through. Biz, 10 points, 12 rebounds. Biggest thing for Biz on the offensive end all year and really the last couple of years is catching the basketball. If he catches it cleanly, he's going to finish it. It's just a matter of getting a clean handoff. 
It's been hit or miss at different times during the season. Last night was a big hit. Yeah, absolutely. I thought his rebound was really good. 12 rebounds, I think that tied a season high. And he had five offensive rebounds. I don't know how many ones of those specifically led to second chance points, but the Hornets had 18 to 9 advantage in second chance points. I have to think the Biz contribute to a lot of those and giving the Hornets some of these extra possessions to kind of catch the Lakers off guard on the defensive end. So I thought they were able to take advantage of some extra possessions and kind of hang in there a little bit, even when the Lakers were going on some runs there in the third quarter. So often, Sam, how a game is framed has a big impact on how we look back on it. So if you frame up last night's game against the Lakers as the Hornets were shorthanded, but we think the Lakers were more shorthanded and that was a winnable game, then it ends up being a negative. I look at it as a big positive. I think you have to take into account the Hornets are extremely shorthanded right now with all the injuries. No Terry Rozier, no P.J. Washington on top of the absences of LaMelo Gordon and Malik, who were not expected to play in last night's game. The first two, there was at least a chance. Quite frankly, Terry was a bit of a surprise, but we'll get more in injuries later. Given all the injuries, offense was always going to be a struggle. Defensively, I thought there was a challenge against the Lakers as well because the Hornets have not performed well against a legit star center at all this season. Joel Embiid beat him up pretty good. Uh, You can go down the line. And I would put Andre Drummond in that class. He has been the leading rebounder in the NBA the last three years, four of the last five. He's an all-star. He is, despite being in the league for about a decade, still in the prime of his athletic career. He had a double-double opening night against the Hornets when he was a Cleveland Cavalier. So I looked at this one and said, you know, Kyle Kuzma can hurt you. Yeah, they're down their stars, but Andre Drummond is the problem. First time all season the Hornets went up against an elite center and held him in check, didn't allow him to go off offensively, frustrated him defensively. I thought it was a very productive night and gives some hope looking ahead. Look, if the Hornets get into the playoffs, win the get in the playoffs, whatever we want to put on that, they're likely going to see an elite center on the other side. Joel Embiid is going to be waiting if they play Philadelphia. They're going to have to deal with a Giannis Antetokounmpo and a Lopez with Milwaukee. So getting a step in the right direction on how to handle an elite center, I thought that's a big one in the win column. Yeah, absolutely, especially with Cody and Biz. And I thought Andre Drummond, I think he picked up three fouls in the first half. So he got, obviously, he got in some foul trouble. You could tell he's still trying to find his role there with the Lakers just joining the team. And I thought they did a good, a good job at kind of throwing all off. He was throwing some kind of elbow, one-handed stuff kind of around. It's you know, look at it and be like, eh, I don't know if that's the shot you want to be taking right now, Andre. So I thought this would have been a really cool matchup to see PJ Washington go up there with some small ball five against Andre. I thought that would be something interesting to see. And you talk about maybe seeing an elite center down the line. Think about having that mismatch with PJ Washington there, the small ball five. That's something the Hornets have in their back pocket and hopefully at their dispense sometime soon when he comes back from injury. Hornets fell 101 to 93. Coming up here on the HHC, we are going to talk about tonight's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but we got to talk about the injuries. They are piling up big time on the Hornets. Sam is as good an insider as we've got on the Hornets beat. We'll talk to him next about the injury front after this on the HHC. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metro Alina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. 
For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit hornets.com slash dunk hunger. It's a two Sam's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber and Sam Purley of hornets.com here with me on the HHC. Sam, the injuries, there have been a lot of them for this team to deal with. Want to talk about the recent ones first. Terry Rozier came as a bit of a surprise. He sat out last night's game due to knee tendonitis. It's something that kind of crept up on Terry, I, I suppose, or maybe really crept up on us. We were surprised to hear about it. He went very quickly from not on any injury report for weeks to missing last night's game. What have you heard as to his potential availability? and What is your expectation to when we could see Scary Terry back on the floor? No, I actually don't have any real insight. Um, hopefully it doesn't seem like a serious thing. JB didn't really know after the game against the Lakers. I think obviously the priority focus was on the game. So I just think it's one of those things, I think this year in particular, just as an overall kind of thought process, coaches have to be so much more conservative and careful with injuries right now. You look at the Lakers team, Anthony Davis and LeBron James have been out for weeks at a time because they're playing the long game. Obviously they can afford that luxury because they're going to be a team that's deep into the playoffs and deep into the possibly finals conversation but I think you just got to be really really careful with some of these injuries if stuff starts kind of acting up you got a back-to-back you're in the midst of a three games and four nights stretch I mean you just got to be really really careful with some of this stuff because you know obviously you want to put as many healthy guys out there as possible you want to win as many games as possible but you also have 20 games to go you still have more in like 30 days yeah you still have a quarter of the season and you know if there's any sort of a you know harsh reminder about what can happen at a moment's notice look at that Denver game a couple nights ago in Golden State I mean the blink of an eye they've lost Jamal Murray for the year and probably most of next year too and their you know finals chances and late playoff run has probably gone up in smoke so not that these two situations are necessarily comparable and obviously they're very very different but it just goes to show you that you know you just got to be super super careful and even if you are careful things can happen to completely out of your control so control what you can control get guys rest choose your spots you saw that with Milwaukee the other day kind of resting everybody against the Hornets after a long road trip so I just think it's a big factor this next few weeks of just kind of managing the injuries managing the load managing the rest and kind of just being super, super mindful of that this year, more so than any other year we've seen in recent history. Most definitely, with how quickly the games come up on you. I mean, there's a back-to-back every week for the rest of the season, pretty much. Most seasons, there might be one a half. Previously, it was maybe one a month. But certainly nothing in terms of this frequency has been seen in a very, very long time. I think one other thing that makes it difficult for the Hornets to handle the absences is just where this team is in terms of the building process. Teams that are competing for championships tend to be old. You fill out the back end of your bench with guys that want to be a part of a championship team because they've been around the block a few times, and now they want a chance to play for a ring, even if the only time they play is five minutes a game. But those are the kind of guys who have been starters or significant players before. And you look, let's take the Lakers last night. Wesley Matthews is one of the top 25 three-point shooters in the history of the game in terms of career makes. So he's been around for a while. You've got Ben McLemore, who's played significant minutes for another franchise before. Marcus Gasol didn't even play as a coach decision. That's a former All-Star. Even in the starting lineup, guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, these are players who have had significant roles on teams before. Andre Drummond might be right now the best rebounder in the game, present. And he was kind of thrown into that roster, not as an afterthought, but he had to get waived by someone else to become eligible to play over there. So... That's the kind of guys the Lakers get to plug in. The Hornets have to plug in guys who used to be second-round picks like five minutes ago. So it's not to say that they can't contribute or won't contribute. They certainly did last night. But you're asking 
people who haven't done this before to step in, whereas a more experienced team is going to have guys at the end of the bench who have at least been through that cycle once before. Again, doesn't mean they can't do it. It just means it's a different type of challenge the Hornets face with all these injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a little, I don't know if the word is frustrating or demoralizing or anything, but you do look at it. You look at this Lakers roster they were able to run. It's all veterans. It's all guys that have been in the league some seven, eight years, you know, Kyle Kuz might be the only one you consider. Talon Horton Tucker maybe is one of the younger guys. But going back to last year, if you look at what kind of rolled out tonight, if you had rolled out this group of guys for the Hornets last year, they'd probably lose this game by 30 points. I don't think it's close. But I think kind of going through those trials and tribulations last year, going through having that group together and having the Martin Twins getting big minutes at the end of the year, having Devontae Graham getting big minutes, Miles, Jalen too down the stretch, that kind of prepares them now at that point to be in a position now where you can go toe-to-toe with a a very veteran Lakers team and you have a chance to win with a minute left. And, you know, obviously it's, you know, it didn't come away with the win, but, you know, it's it's all part of the process. You're putting experience together, you're putting minutes together, and it's that's why they're able to kind of kind of uh, I guess tread water right now it's they've gone through this before they've done these minutes they've done these games so I know it's not what everyone's here it's why it's a silver linings edition but only so much you can do right now and they're kind of making the most of it and hopefully they kind of regroup and get one tonight Bismack Biombo weighed in on how the Hornets are handling the injuries let's hear from Biz to be honest coming into the this season we all understood the sacrifice that people had to make uh, it's the same thing same decision that players made Going into the bubble, obviously, you never see players go down this way. And uh, and I think for us, you know, uh, got to, you know, the, the big emphasis this year uh, from the coaching staff, you know, on the, you know, the, the training staff is to make sure that we take care of our body. But at the same time, you know, this is the NBA. You always got to be prepared. It's a long season, 72 games. Got to take care of your body. Got to work out. All these things slipping the right way. So at the end of the day, you know, next man up, you know, it's always going to be the mentality rather it's with us or another team. You know, it's the NBA. This is what we sign up for. Can't argue with that. In terms of the overall injury front, I think it's at least a positive that P.J. Washington and Terry Rozier started the day as probable yesterday because it means they're at least at a stage of their injuries where they can test it. Mm-hmm. You don't get listed as probable if you can't walk. So those two players seem to be, they're, they're going to stay in that cycle of, hey, we're going to start with the assumption that they can go until we see evidence otherwise. Whereas the other three players, you start with the assumption they're not going to go until you see some kind of progression. I don't know if you have any update. I know we're getting close to the reevaluation time or timeline that was initially set by LaMelo, uh, still a couple of weeks away for Gordon Hayward. But what are you hearing? What is your inclination on the potential any one of those three players could come back in the foreseeable future? This is turning like to WebMD with, yeah. with Dr. Pearly here. No, I think JB mentioned, somebody asked about the Malik Monk injury, I think last week before the Milwaukee game, and I think his initial timeline was two weeks, and they didn't really know because I wasn't sure if he was on the second half of the six-game they came back on the road trip last week. I think they were kind of going to do an update. I don't think there's any update on any of these guys, unfortunately. I think when they get closer, you'll know. And the trouble with Gordon's and Malik's too, and, and the kind of the real bummer is time you evolve a lower extremity or a foot or a knee or a leg, I mean, that's what makes it worse because you can't run, you can't stay in condition. If you break a hand or you break a wrist like Lamelo has, at least you can move around a little bit and get your cardio in and get your conditioning in. And 
do a little bit more but unfortunately those guys have not so I think it's just kind of a wait and see I think you literally just have to take it game by game and okay we've got eight nine guys how are we going to do the strategy and I obviously I think we both want to see a full roster right now the Hornets and see what they could do against the, you know some of these big time teams here down the stretch but I like the way JB is experimenting with different lineups I like that he's trying different things moving Kayla Martin in the starting lineup he's moving Jalen that paid off when he did that in Oklahoma City last week at the three he's really thrived there right now moving biz and Cody in and out of the starting lineup and even giving Nate Darling minutes too. I mean, just you got to try whatever. So I like the improvisation. It's making it interesting at least in kind of seeing what different lineups and he's taking it literally a game by game basis based on matchups, based on situations. So you're just going to have to wait and see and hopefully fingers crossed the healthier they get, they can keep this thing rolling. You get one guy back and you get another guy back and you get another guy back and hopefully firing on all cylinders come the end of the season. Most definitely. The healthier this team gets, the more dangerous they're going to get. They're still in a playoff position right now. We've got a game tonight to preview. Hornets taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk about that one next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive presented by Haynes is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Haynes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. Sam Farber and Sam Purley, a two-Sams edition of the HHC here for you. And it's a preview edition, the Hornets taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, believe it or not, are still in playoff contention. I mean, this team is 13th out of 15. They haven't won 20 games yet. They're 15 games below 500, And yet, they're three games back of the final play-in position. So uh, this is a Cavs team that still has something to play for. This is not the same Cavs team we saw at the start of the season on opening night. Not having Andre Drummond is going to have a huge impact on them, and they've also had some injuries that they have to deal with. What are your thoughts on the head-to-head with Cleveland coming up at the Hive? Well, it seems interesting because looking back, the first time we played them was opening night, and it feels like a really long time ago because you look at everyone who was healthy and what was going on, but then and it doesn't seem that long ago because it's only been a, you know three months. Yeah, obviously a very different team. Andre Drummond's gone. JaVale McGee is also gone. He had a really big performance in that first game. Um, it's kind of on their backcourt. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton have a big years. I think they're averaging both around 20 and that's 16 to 20 points per game, 24 points per game. I've noticed, too, with the injuries in particular. So Jared Allen's been hurt for a while. Larry Nance has been hurt. Kevin Love has been hurt. And these guys are kind of – they just haven't had any consistency in the front court. So they're really struggling rebounding the ball right now. I think since the trade deadline where they kind of wiped the slate clean with McGee and Drummond, I think they're the third worst rebounding team in the league. So And their offense, I think, is either last or second to last. They turn the ball over a lot. So young team that's kind of, kind of has their warts like any young team, but – Certainly an opportunity for the Hornets to kind of keep riding that defense, kind of hold this team right around that 100-point range like they did against the Lakers last night. Give your offense a chance to kind of catch up, get some pace, and hopefully can pick up a W and exit this homestand with a win and a little momentum. There's really no doubt in my mind, Sam, that the Hornets play with the same intensity they did last night against the Lakers. They should come away with a win because shooting-wise, I can't 
recall a game where collectively they shot worse. They were 25% from three. I'm surprised it's that high. Devontae Graham went three of 13 from beyond the arc. Brad Wanamaker was one of 11 from the field. At one point, Jalen McDaniels was two for two from three, and the rest of the team was 0 for 12. It was not a good shooting day, and this is a team that bases a lot of its offense around the three-point arc. So I think that the intensity was good. The defensive performance was good. The strategy was good. Even the shots they took were pretty good for the most part. It's a make-miss league, and if the ball's not going through the cylinder, it's going to be very difficult to win. But if everything else is equal and the Hornets even shoot 35% from three, I think it's a W. Nailed it on the head. Make or miss league. And I think that was the problem to start the Atlanta game. They were getting good shots. They were getting good ball movement. The shots just weren't going in. And sometimes it's just, you know, they had a couple shots at the end, too. You just make those. It's an entirely different outcome. So, I mean, I think a lot of it, too, with the Lakers in particular, I mean, they were getting really good shots in the paint to start off with. And maybe it kind of took a while to get, by the time they got the three-point going, they're already kind of in the rhythm of the game and kind of playing catch up a little bit. So, I definitely agree. Approach the game with the same sort of aggressiveness, energy. I've said it. Almost every time on the podcast, everybody is good. Best teams in the league approach every single game, whether they can win it or lose it. And that's going to be the Hornets' mentality. Just because this Cavs team's struggling a little bit, they obviously beat the Hornets earlier this season. They are good. They are talented. They have a lot of good players. So, But I think this is a big one. I think you got to approach with the same energy, intensiveness, determination, like you had to start this one. Get some of those threes to fall a little bit, open things up, and hopefully they can uh, pick up the W for sure. Where is your attention focused when you look at the standings right now? Hornets are a game or will be a game out of fifth place in the Eastern Conference at the start of business today. They're also simultaneously, you know, in a tie for seventh or eighth, I guess, and now in that play-in range. Are you looking above seeing, you know, is there a way for the Hornets to maneuver their way back top? Obviously there is because everything is so clumped together. Or is your attention below because the Hornets' magic number to make the play-in period and just get in the playoffs is 13. Any combination of wins and losses for either, uh, well, it depends who you're focused on, but Toronto and Washington, the two teams that they've got to, knockout so that's where the magic number comes into play realistically that's about six or seven wins more often than not so are you focused above trying to get back out of the play-in spot or are you focused below ensuring this team makes the playoffs i mean it's a little bit of a trick question here i'm not focused on either right now this is what i'm looking at so instead of the actual standings this is what i'm looking at put as much distance as you can between whoever is in 10th right now and 11th i think it's a pretty big gap right now i think it's indiana and toronto so Toronto, Washington, Detroit, Cleveland, Orlando. I kind of feel like that's going to be the bottom five. I think the top ten and the bottom five are kind of going to be set, barring a catastrophic injury from somebody or a complete free fall or something crazy happened. Maybe Toronto goes on a run. So I kind of want to see as much separation as that. I think you just get in that top ten. Obviously, everybody wants to be in that four, five, six range, but it's going to be really competitive. You know, if you got a healthy team and you're in that seven, eight range, I mean, I like the Hornets' chances against anybody. I really do. If you've got a healthy team, you've got Malik Monk, you've got P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier to win a one-game playoff, that's what you want. That's what you got meaningful games at the end of the season. What more could you ask for? So I'm kind of looking to see as much separation between that 10 and 11, and then also tiebreakers as well. You look at some of those teams in that 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 range. Hornets, everything's best of three right now. They've got tiebreakers over, off the top of my head, they've got one on Indiana right now. They've got one on Atlanta, Miami as well. They're going to get the one on Miami. If so. it comes into play, Milwaukee. Exactly, yeah. If, really, if things really start kind of escalating a little bit and get up into that top top three and they start winning out. But that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Not necessarily the standings, but look at the tiebreakers, look at these key matchups that are coming up and make sure kind of see those bottom five kind of get pushed down a little bit more, a little bit more. 
you get in that top 10, obviously you want to be as high as possible, but I'll keep saying I, lo- I love the Hornets' chances. If they're healthy and in that 7, 8, 9, whatever range, I like the chances against anybody. I really do at the end of the season. Well, I know you don't think you answered the question, but I think you did. I think you're saying you're looking at the bomb. It's it's the magic number. Yeah. What has to happen to make the play-in? And, and I agree with you. That should be the goal. It would be nice to finish in the top six. It would be nice to finish in that 4-5 game and likely avoid or definitely avoid a Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or Philadelphia the first round. Sure, that would be great. But the goal of this season, the purpose of this season, was to end the drought. Yes. Get in the playoffs any way, shape, or form. It doesn't matter. And while it's been nice to see the team in fourth place, they've never been comfortably there. They never had a one- or two-game lead. It was always like, well, we're playing tonight. If we lose we could end up in seventh. Or we're not playing tonight. If Atlanta wins, we're going to be in sixth now. You know, it has always been so tight that the Horns have never had control. The thing they can control is do they make the playing tournament. Right now, the magic number sitting at 13. you got to feel pretty good about that. Hopefully, by the end of the night, Hornets have that one reduced a little bit more as they look ahead to going back on the road briefly because it's a very home-heavy schedule. And uh, that's another thing that works in the Hornets' favor Mm -hmm. for this final month of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you did trick me there. I am looking at the bottom, just not at the actual magic number. I just think it's like just in the other thing too. Just keep. Why don't you like the magic number? I just it's too overwhelming just to think about it because it's it's thirteen. It's not that overwhelming. It's yeah, but it's like it's what it's thirteen combined wins or losses of the eleventh place team. Correct. It is correct. Really, it's actually the 12th place team because here, this is fun with math with Sam. I'm usually kind of a stats nerd analytics guy, but the magic number, I I hear it more in baseball. I don't really hear it in basketball too much. The 11th place team is Toronto, who's 21 and 34. The magic number with regard to them is 12 because they've already got 34 losses. But the team right behind them by like percentage points is Washington, who's played fewer games. They've played two fewer games, so that means they have room to win two more games, which is why the magic number is still at 13. It's throwing me off, too, with the whole, like, not having 82 games here, 72. So, like, what's, like, a 42? So you want to be 30, 36 and 36 would be a 500 season, the equivalent of being 42 and 42. Hey, I'm if they're still 36 like, and 36, that, that's a playoff team right okay. now. It is. It is. So Hornets got to be feeling pretty good about this. If you want to join us tonight for Hornets Cavs, go to Hornets.com for more ticket information. And the Hornets, as I mentioned, they've got a lot of home games left on the remainder of the schedule. After this one against Cleveland, the Hornets are going to go on a very brief road trip to visit the Brooklyn Nets, but then they'll be back home on Sunday to take on the Portland Trailblazers. And because matinees haven't worked out so well, they're going to start that one at 7. So for ticket information, go to Hornets.com. Sam Purley, thanks as always for joining us here on the HHC. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. A reminder, we'll have our post-game podcast after tonight's contest. I'll be ready for you tomorrow to break down tonight's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think I said all that right. It's getting late. All right, fans, thanks again for tuning in to the Hornets Hivecast. For Sam Perley. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us today and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. <laughs>